Welcome back to another episode of Giant Cocktails, the podcast where two lifelong San Francisco Giants fans talk about their favorite baseball team while enjoying homemade cocktails. I'm your host, Ben Henry, alongside my brother and co-host, Matthew Henry. Matthew, say something non-weird and non-offensive, please. Kangaroos! (laughs) (laughs) Nice callback. Nice callback. Very well done, Matthew. Today is Sunday, July 4th. Happy birthday, America. Happy birthday. Woo! Woo! Fireworks! Don't look a day over 240 years old. I live in a town where you're actually allowed to shoot off fireworks. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. I live in the San Francisco Bay Area in a town where you can shoot off fireworks. Now, everybody knows where I live if they're, and, and because like there's only one town, I think, that does allow that. So anyway, today, Sunday, July 4th. The Giants are still playing as we record this podcast, Uh, so we don't actually know. Things are looking very good. I I will not try to describe the events in this game because I think that's illegal, right? Isn't that what they always have that legalese in the games, the TV broadcasts about? Yes. We don't want to go to jail. That's right. Don't want to go to jail for telling you guys what happened, what's happening right now in this in this baseball game. But I can tell you that they are winning, and it looks like they will probably win. So I'm going to say that the Giants likely went 3-3 three and three this week, bringing their record to 53-30, and 30, still one half game ahead of the evil Los Angeles Dodgers, and still with the best record in all of Major League Baseball based on winning percentage. And that, despite the fact that they just had their longest losing streak of the year of four games, uh, and they've only had a losing streak of three games uh, one other time in the season. And yeah, so what felt like a really rough week, and yes, I know, it it got off to a really uh, awful start. And we are going to talk about that awful start. But before we do, Matthew, I need to ask you, what are you drinking on this wonderful Independence Day? Well, in honor of the 4th of July, uh, Independence Day, I decided that I wanted to go with a cocktail that involved uh, watermelon, mainly because uh, when I think of the 4th of July in our backyard uh, barbecue with you know hot dogs and potato salad and you know all of that, uh, watermelon's always on the menu for us. And I felt like it would be appropriate to find a cocktail that uh, celebrated 4th of July while also incorporating watermelon. And so- Yes! What, what? Oh, you're a big fan of watermelon. I love the watermelon. Also, <laughs> I am not telling our listeners that the Giants game just ended. That is not what I am doing. <laughs> Don't tell the legal firms of that's yours and this is mine that that <laughs> happened. But that did happen. So the records that I said at the beginning of the show are correct. And yes, I love watermelon. Keep talking about the watermelon, okay, well, man. Okay, yeah. Okay. So, so this drink is called the Firecracker, and uh, it has. Uh, I'm just going to describe what's in it, and, and then talk a little bit about it. So, it has a couple of chunks of watermelon in there, and that you muddle in the bottom of a cocktail shaker. Uh, it's got an ounce and a half of rum, an ounce of uh, Cointreau, uh, and then half an ounce of lime juice, a half ounce of simple syrup, and a 
the recipe calls for one sixth teaspoon of cayenne pepper. And then you shake all that up and pour it into, I have it in a martini glass, uh, garnish with a lime. Uh, but I will say, I've made this twice. And the amount of cayenne you put in there, it matters. Uh, and, and I will say that one sixth of a teaspoon is hard to distinguish. And it is very easy to put in more than that. And you may be sorry. I'm just speaking from a little experience there. Yeah, you might like the spice. I'm I I frankly had to remake the drink because it was just uh, it, the the first kick was like oh I like that, but then like I would choke on my own like throat. You know, it was just the the heat was just staying there too long. So I I, I remade it with. So being that's very why you ran off at the beginning of the show. Okay. Yes. Yep. Right, yep. Right. I told pre, you. Pre-recording. Pre-recording. That's right. All right. So that is what I am drinking. It's, it's a nice, refreshing drink. Uh, the watermelon comes through. Uh, the rum and the and the Cointreau play really nicely with all that. And the lime juice, you know, adds a little bit of that sour taste to it. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I and when you get the cayenne right, it has a nice little kind of kick. Which you know, the firecracker, you got to have a little kick to it. It has a nice amount of kick at the end. And um, yeah, I, I actually really like this cocktail. It is something I will do again for sure. I love spicy cocktails. I love them. It's just it's one of those, you know, whenever I see one on the menu, it, it's what I'm always kind of drawn to and am likely to um, uh, to order that first. If I'm if I'm you know trying to decide what craft cocktail at whatever location I am at, I'm going to try it. It usually is the one that's got a little kick to it. So uh, but interestingly enough, I think that's our first spicy cocktail of the of the series right i don't yeah, think, I've I think done anything so. like that that's awesome well it sounds yeah. like a nice spicy summer inspired daiquiri uh so yeah nice drink yeah, very nice, nice drink. so so now that i've told you ben what are you drinking today i am drinking something of my own creation Nice. Because I got to do that this week because Buster Posey did not hit a home run this week. And by the way, I want to let everybody know, because I'm sure you probably all know this because we're not going to release this show until tomorrow. But my wife just texted me. X-rays were negative. A contusion. At this point, I think he's day to day. Although based on the way he was reacting when he was catching those balls, um, that's probably going to be more than a couple of days. So. So we'll see we'll see how long Buster ends up being out but those of you who don't know he did catch a foul tip off his glove hand and um hurt his thumb. And as an old baseball catcher once upon a time I remember what it's like to jam a, a thumb and not be able to catch a ball. That is literally the only thing I remember about baseball uh, besides, <laughs> you know, the easiest way to get on base is getting hit by the ball. So basically all I remember about baseball is getting hit by the ball. Anyway, Moving on to my cocktail. I made my own cocktail, and it is called the American 21. And yes, Matthew, you may be asking, is this a French 75-inspired drink? Yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> but unlike the French 75, first of all, it's not named after some country that needs us to rescue them from wars over and over and over again. <laughs> uh, and also the country that, 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 well, supported us during the revolution and gave us that really cool statue and uh, gave us that really awesome 19-year-old Lafayette dude. Um, 
Well, anyway, sorry. No, no, uh, yeah, but uh, but anyway, we, nah, French. But anyway, uh, this one's called The American 21. And uh, basically, yeah, it's just a reimagining of the French 75 using American ingredients. So the first thing that I did, Matthew, is I took that gin, got rid of it. Not good enough. <laughs> I went and found me some down south, southern Tennessee moonshine. 100 proof, 50% alcohol, two ounces of that. Okay. Two ounces. Two ounces. Wow. Yes, we're going for it. We're going for it. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be three sheets to the wind, half in the bag, all the way to the moon by the end of the show, um, because uh, go big or go home. Right? Am I right? right. Well, right. Clearly, you just stopped at the moonshine then. <laughs> That's right. Well, no, no. I don't just. <laughs> we don't just stop anywhere. Manifest Destiny says I'm gonna get all the way to the end of this cocktail, <laughs> and that means that uh, we have to have some some citrus in there. Now, a French 75 calls for an ounce of lime juice. I'm using Key Lime Lime Juice from the Florida Keys. And then on top of that, a French 75 calls for an ounce of simple syrup. I'm actually using a blueberry simple syrup, and I'm not going to lie here. I, I don't rem- I made this blueberry syrup a little while ago, and I don't remember where the blueberries were from. They were probably from California. They might even have been from another country nearby to the south. But let's say that if you were making this at home and you really wanted to have an all-American cocktail, I would look for ones from somewhere in the Northeast you know, that, that are very famous for their, for their blueberries. So if I had my druthers, I would make sure that this was main-grown blueberries for my blueberry syrup. So an ounce of that. And then I shook all of that up in a shaker with ice and then strained it into a champagne flute, dropped in a bunch of fresh blueberries, and then I topped that off with uh, a California sparkling white wine, uh, a.k.a. champagne, but a California champagne. And yeah, and that is my American 21. And I will tell you, Matthew, it actually, it's quite good. I, I would say that um, the, the, the predominant flavor, obviously, is the, is the blueberry, uh, which is quite fine. But uh, you might want to pull back a little bit on the citrus because that does tend to dominate quite a bit here because the moonshine really does not bring much flavor whatsoever. It's very, very much like vodka in that case. It's just like a an amped up vodka, but it's actually a very light and refreshing cocktail. You could have two of these and by two of these, that would really be like four cocktails and you're pretty much done at that point. So, um, so yeah, that's my American 21. And let me just take a drink here. Yeah, that's good, but definitely pull back on the citrus. I'd maybe go with three quarters of an ounce. All right. All right. And on that note, the San Francisco giants, Matthew, um, I got to tell you, you know, I, I, I wasn't able to pay a lot of attention to the Giants uh, early on in the week because I was on a, um, a work trip, um, first work trip post pandemic, or at least, you know, post pandemic for me. And, uh, and so I missed, I missed the Dodgers games, but I was able to pay attention to them casually, like, you know, just through my phone on the first game. And then obviously I was able to read about them later and then, you know, obviously that was not a great series. Did not have the results that we wanted. And and then on top of that, 
we lost that first game to the Diamondbacks, and we had lost the last game of last week, and so the Giants had their first four-game losing streak of the season. Uh, and it really felt like, to me, at that moment in time, or just during that... It was, that, that it was time to panic? Yeah, that's right. It, it really did feel like it, it, was, it was time to panic. And... Because here it comes. Everybody's been waiting for the Giants to implode. That's you right. Know, they keep saying it's going to happen. And oh my God, they lost four in a row. That's and right. And just now, when everybody started ranking them as ahead of the Dodgers, which I know, I know, I didn't even, I'm not even going to bother to look at the rankings. Of, yeah. Never mind the fact that the Giants still have the best record in baseball and are still in first place and still ahead of the Dodgers. I know all of those rankings are now going to move the Dodgers ahead of the Giants. It's just obvious. It's a given. Yes. I know it. Like, let's not even talk about it. That that horse is dead and we've done beaten it enough. Um, but, I, I, you know, I, it was it was a rough it was a rough week. And and I tell you what, nothing makes it rougher. Like my least favorite kind of baseball game to watch is a game where your team seems to do everything right, but can never close the deal. And I want to throw a statistic at you. Zero for 19. Wow. That was the Giants with runners in scoring position against the Dodgers. Oh, I thought I thought you were referring to how many times I asked somebody out to the prom my junior year. <laughs> Folks, he's not lying. He did ask a lot. I, I, like, I, I, I totally forgotten about it. I totally forgotten about it. He says that to me and I'm like, oh, wow, that was a thing he did talk about a lot. When I was, what, 12 years old? Uh, no, 11 years old. Yeah. Uh, but no, Matthew, um, uh, nobody's that bad. Um, not even the Giants against the Dodgers when we really, really want to win those games. But yeah, they were 0 for 19 with runners in scoring position in that game. And, and I have to tell you, that's partially luck, right? Yes. Yes, and, and it was the series that they were 0 for 19, right? It wasn't just that game. I think they were 0 for 13 in that game. Yeah, sorry, the series. They were 0 for right. 13 in game one, 0 for 6 in game two. So so a lot less opportunities in game two, and 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 but still didn't come through on any of them. Well, for me, what made it even worse is it was Bauer on the mound. And, you know, just, just you, know, you just want to just, I don't know, like if he, if he sheathes his sword or does anything like that, I'm going to, you know, it's just... It was really frustrating. Well, we can and, all officially uh, hate that guy now, right? Right. Well, right. yes, yeah. for, right. for yeah. reasons yeah. beyond baseball, for sure. Right. Yeah. But yeah, that game was brutal. It was brutal on so many ways. You just you keep expecting somebody to get the hit, and and just nobody did, and it was it was really frustrating. But but on the bright side, the pitching was good. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, it's just yeah. you can't make mistakes when your your offense isn't going to make you know, uh, a dent. And, you know, against the Dodgers, you know, you're going to get good pitching. And 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 Gosman, you know, he got Muncied. You know, we uh, we pitched to Muncie again. I think we should just, you know, give not him pitch the... to Max Muncie anymore. Yeah, I, I, I think that that would be a good strategy from here on out. I call me call me crazy, but I think yeah. like you know he hits you know most of his home runs against us. I think maybe we should we should pitch around him in the future. I think a third of his home runs this year are against the Giants, right? It, it feels like it. Yeah. No, I, I think that's true. I think that's legitimately true. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know for sure, but that is uh, he. It's every time he plays against us, he gets a home run. So it's you know it's yeah. got to be true. 
Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, that it, but I think to your point, yes, it's, it's gotta be partially luck. I mean, you just, you don't go, how many times have the Giants gone over 13 with runners in scoring position in a game? Very few, right? So one of those hits comes through and it's a different ball game, right? And, and so you just kind of have to chalk it up to, you know, uh, except it's the Dodgers. So you don't want to, you know, I, I don't know. I, I get, want to I beat torn. them. I yes. want to beat the Dodgers. Well, and, and it's, well, we'll get into this later, but, uh, Luckily, it was only two games, so we were able to turn the page pretty quickly. Uh, and then, but then we get into the Diamondbacks, and I'm thinking, oh great, we sweep the Diamondbacks here, and we're four and two on the week. Four and just... two on the week, and just forget all about that silly two game series against the Dodgers. And of course, we're going to sweep the Diamondbacks because they're the Diamondbacks. And who's this kid? Who's this guy they're facing in game one? What's his name? It's Willie Wiley. Um, no, it's Kelly Merrill. Kelly, he's what five and seven with a, sorry, um, four and seven with a, well, I don't know what his ERA at that time was, but after dominating the Giants, it's now four, uh, four six seven. His ERA plus is an eighty nine, which means he's well below average for the year. Um, and yeah, so what happens? What happens? He dominates us, right? This is a pattern that I'm getting tired of and I'd really like to see go away where the Giants just get their butts handed to them by a mediocre or less than mediocre starting pitcher. Like, what's that all about? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to remember. I want to say that sometimes these games are often to lead off a series and it just seems like maybe they're having a hard time turning the page, their focus. I know a couple times Kapler's mentioned in postgame they didn't like the energy of the team. I don't know if that plays into it at all. But yeah, it seems like you kind of expect tough games against the Bowers and the the Buellers. But some guy named Kelly, like uh, you, you expect, okay, this is the time to get to get the bats going again. And that certainly it it does seem like this does happen at the beginning of the series. Like maybe, maybe the giants really need to pick up on how a team is choosing to attack them. And I mean, you know, I don't know. I I think there, we have no idea why I don't think the giants know why. I mean, it could just be bad luck. It, It could just be that the giants are really smart and savvy hitters who do better when they know what they're up against. And eventually they're going to outthink you and outsmart you, which I, you know what? I think that's what it is, Matthew, because that sounds really cool and it sounds really good. So I think that's what it is, is that sometimes we get ambushed by these guys because we don't know what to expect. And usually our, but you know, once, you know, usually our guys are smart enough to, to dominate, um, somebody because they know what they're going to bring to the table. But if they don't know what they're going to bring to the table, then maybe you can sneak a win by them. That's it. I decided that's the reason. That's the only reason. Yes. Yeah. Well, and you know, luckily we, we, you know, righted the ship and, and took three in a row to end the four game series. They were able to right the ship and take care of business during these next three games we had uh, we had a bunch of great things happen during the series, right? We had Tyro Estrada come in and um, uh, replace, I know you're sad. You're replace, sad, aren't you? Replace one of my yeah. I'm I'm really I'm really bummed to see Maurizio go down. 
And, you know, I know there's been a lot has been said about his hitting, uh, but I, I really think that if it, it's the glove that, that really let him down. I, I think I think if Maurizio was hitting the way he was hitting, but if he had been playing defensively crisply at every, you know, all those six different positions he can play, I think they would have hung on to him a little bit longer. But I think, you know, his, his defense wasn't uh, crisp enough to make up for just the really unreliable or just overall lack of, of production, right? I think both from Pop and, and getting on base, you know, he just, he was not doing well at the plate. And and yes, his flexibility, the ability to play six positions might have overcome that, but not when he was bobbling the ball as often as he was. And and then when he was on base, he'd make some mistakes. It just every facet of his game, I think, was just not quite there. And so yeah. I think and that's what happened. I agree. I, well, I don't know. I, I think yeah, his defense definitely didn't help. But, you know, ultimately, I think we saw last week, Kapler didn't trust him, you know, to to put him, you know, he's putting Casalian over him in, a, you know, big pinch hitting situations against a left-hander. And, you know, that's supposed to be one of his roles. And so if Kapler's lost confidence in him, then, yeah, you got to bring somebody else in that can can do that. Because you can't have rely on Casale to pinch hit, you know, uh, and it's probably, you know, who's also batting, you know, uh, for the season under 200. So, yeah, uh, you got to bring it. And, and Estrada was tearing it up in AAA. So... You, know, you give a guy a chance, right? You you got to reward guys that that are playing well. Yeah, no matter how much fans were not trusting him when he was first acquired by the Giants, I think they referred to him getting called up as panic time. I heard, <laughs> I heard through the grapevine. Yeah, that that could have been me. I, you know, I, <laughs> I, I I I did. I think I did say that if if Tyro Strada got called up, it was time to panic. I I agree. Uh, but, you know, hey, I'm glad he proved me wrong, at least so far. Hey, know? this is what happens when we panic. This is great because, yes. I mean, he's been crushing it, uh, you know, you know, yesterday. I mean, the Grand Slam and, and you know, all the, what, was it three for five in that game? I don't remember. But that was obviously a great game in his first start. But I think really his next game where I, I think he went, Oh, for two. I can't remember exactly. With like three of, walks though, or something. With three walks. Yeah. yeah. With three walks. So, like, I mean, clearly demonstrating great patience at the plate and He's just... not chasing, you know, which, yeah. you know, you compare to Debone. I mean, Debone was, was yeah. all over the place, right? So Right. You know. And he was on fire in the minor leagues. And not often does this happen, but he brought that with him, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and that's great to see. You know, hopefully it lasts. But, you know, obviously the league's going to figure him out. They're going to throw some adjustments at him. And so we'll see how that goes. But so far, so good. Yeah, well, you know, speaking of getting hot and all that, I think, uh, you know, Slater, uh, who I think was also the next, you know, who's also the next man up in terms of uh, yeah, he's rost- on the bubble. roster moves, right? Roster moves yeah. are coming and Slater is definitely on the bubble and he's been struggling. I mean, he's, he was like four for his last 41 uh, prior to his eighth inning home run uh, yeah. uh, in the third game. But boy, that was a good home run. That was such a big home run. Oh, they, both, they needed both, it. Both timing and uh, distance. I mean, 400 and, you know, the broadcast said 483 feet. I think Statcast mm-hmm. said 462 or something like that. But uh, either way, that was a monster home run and, you know, had to have felt good for, for Slater. And, and so good that he did it again today. And, That's uh, right. you know, it's not, not, not often when you hit 900 feet worth of home runs uh, in two days. So yeah. pretty, pretty impressive. Two Slater taters 
definitely starting to come through right when he needs to because yeah i mean i think really you know the he's one of those guys that's right on the bubble and in fact when you and i talked about who were the giants going to move down just before brandon belt got hurt what we talked about you know maybe them dfaing talkman instead of sending down either um slater right slater was the one that we were on yeah they ended yeah. up sending down Wade Jr., which surprised you, me, and everybody. But, you know, I think that was clearly just a matter of lefty-righty situations yes. with the Giants. The Giants highly, highly value that, right? Clearly, I mean, Wade Jr. was clearly producing better than than Slater was, but they clearly care about that whole lefty-righty matchup, which, mm-hmm. as you pointed out, is not necessarily, is not nothing, because... Lamont Wade Jr. in his entire major league career, which granted is not even 100 plate appearances at this point, maybe I'm wrong, but it's right around there, has never gotten a hit off of a left-handed pitcher. Yep. He's like 0 for 23 or something like that in his uh, major league career against right, left-handers. Right, including 18 plate appearances this year. So so it's not yes. like that whole lefty-righty thing didn't matter because it did. Right. The it Giants did. might be onto something. Yeah, they might. Be, well, this is why we're fans and they get paid to do it, right? <laughs> um, and so, so, so Wade Jr. went down. Uh, Slater stayed up, but it was clear that Slater was on the bubble. And then Talkman gets put on the DL when they bring up um, Ruff. When Ruff comes off the DL, they br- they put um, Talkman down. Uh, and but the question, you know, Talkman's going to be back, right? He banged up his yeah. knee, crashing into a wall, but he's going to come back. And the question is, what happens when he's ready to come back? And, you know, they've got all of these other moves, right? Like, you know, uh, La Stella. And then I'm not really sure what the situation with Jalen Davis is, but I know he's got to be close to them having to make a decision mm-hmm. there. Longoria in a few weeks. A right. Weeks. Right. So. And so so Slater is definitely feeling the heat. I mean, maybe he's I don't know if he's mm-hmm. feeling the heat or not, but like. Just numbers wise, you're looking at the roster and you're like, oh, wow, this is push is going to come to shove for one of these guys. And it looks like, you know, the sights are narrowing on Slater and he's been scuffling. Yes. Right. And and suddenly, bam, he comes out of it. And let's, you know, for his, hope for his sake that he can he can keep um, keep it up and just make this decision harder and harder for the Giants. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's a really awkward thing to talk about and even think about, right? Because we like all of these guys and we want to see all of them do well, you know. But at the end of the day, only a certain number of them are allowed on the roster and and only a certain number of them can be kept by the Giants if they want to move them off the roster. And it's just going to create these really awkward situations. But, I mean, we've well, talked I, about that enough in the past. But Yeah, I think with the trade deadline coming up, though, and everybody getting healthy one of those guys is going to get moved and right. it's going right. to be Jalen Davis or Austin Slater. Uh, I think would probably be the two that are w- right. most likely to be moved. Uh, uh, but you know, those are players that the giants were counting on. And you know, it's interesting. I think at the beginning of the season, you and I were both had our high hopes were that Dubon and Slater would finally step up and, and be the players that everybody thought they were going to be. And uh, unfortunately that hasn't come true you know, to, to date. Yeah, I mean, it did seem like, I mean, they both showed signs of it, right? They really did. And I think they both had good starts to the season. But yeah, I think as time has worn on, that that has not been the case. But but hopefully Slater is making that counter move, right? Yeah. And just getting out of it. Well, and, and that'll be interesting because I think, you know, with the trade deadline coming up, I know there was some discussion. There's, you know, there's been discussion on social media around, 
you know, do they still need to go reliever, which we can talk about a little bit later? Do they maybe need a starting pitcher instead? But also right-handed power bat, you know, a right-handed bat also, because we we're, we're so in the outfield, especially left-handed heavy, uh, that there could be a need for a right-handed bat. But if Slater uh, starts hitting that way in the last few weeks before the trade deadline, then maybe they don't need to, to make that move. Maybe Slater's the guy. Uh, so... Yeah. You know, could they get somebody better than Slater, you know, or do they, you know, but that comes at a cost, you know, with uh, with some of their minor league talent uh, or could they, you know, ride, maybe get get him hot and, and ride that out for the rest of the season. So right. hopefully we'll see how that right. works out. Well, he definitely had a good series and especially to end it, won that game for us that, you know, the game three for us. So and was a big part of today's win. So hopefully um Hopefully that that continue that trend continues, and that yeah. concludes the concludes the the series with the Diamondbacks, uh, bringing the Giants just beyond the halfway point. Right, they yep. are fifty three and thirty, so two games beyond the halfway point. And the at at the halfway point, the Giants had won fifty one games, which is a really easy projection projection to make. That means the San Francisco Giants are going to win 102 games. They're going to go 102 and 60 as their projected record, <laughs> which means, yes, yes, as is old news by now, I will be doing shots. I'm going to get a booster shot vaccine. <laughs> um, you mainline the moonshine right in. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I, I, I shouldn't have bought the moonshine. I'm now realizing I really have to start choosing my my cocktails very carefully now. And just just really quickly, does that mean I have to do it as soon as they win 100 games? So like, what if they win 100 games before the season is over? Like, and it's like, does that I mean, I guess if that means they would win, like a, they would be on pace to win like 105 or 106. Yeah, so, right. So. I'll. I think we'll, we'll cross that bridge when it comes. OK, yeah, yeah. We don't want to. Yeah, we don't want to jinx it. Right. That's right. We don't. We would. We wouldn't want them to only win ninety nine games. No. Uh, no. Okay. Right. But anyway, I mean, first of all, Matthew, that's insane. It is insane. That is insane. I projected that the Giants were going to win seventy nine games because I'm an idiot and a horrible yeah. person. Acknowledged. Yes. But you I mean, said I, I said eighty six wins, and I thought I was stretching just which a little was bit generous. There. Yes. Generous. And now in order for the Giants... Okay, so first of all, if the Giants were to only play 500 baseball from here on out, that means they win as many as they lose. They would go 92-70. Six games better than your projection. Easily within wild card contention. So if the Giants absolutely go mediocre from here on out, they're going to be in the playoff hunt until the very last weekend of the season which is absolutely outstanding. I mean, this season, this pre this first half of the season has been beyond anybody's expectations. You know, I think people are talking about, well, what did the Giants expect and what did the players expect and you hear these interviews saying, "Oh, well, they expected to contend for the division title." You know, but that's what I expect a bunch of veterans to say anyway, right? We're going to compete for the division title. Because we're pros and that's what we're supposed to do. So that is absolutely what I expect them to say. Yeah. But I think they knew that that was an uphill battle, right? I think they knew they were a good team. I think they knew they were a better team than most people thought they were. 
But this is just beyond beyond comprehension, right? Well, and I, and I think for half the season now, we've been listening to people saying, oh, can they keep this up? And, you know, will they keep this up? And you know, everybody is saying, you know, waiting for the other shoe to drop, waiting for the Dodgers to take over, waiting for the Padres to, you know, to come up and, and take over. And it hasn't happened. And now we're halfway through. And yeah, it absolutely could could happen. And and I think that that's where, you know, we have play against games against the Dodgers and we lose them. You know, it's not it doesn't feel good. But right now we have a 92 percent chance to make the playoffs, according to Fangrass, mainly because we have a 10 game lead uh, over the Reds now, I think, in the national in the wild card race. So. Yeah, we would have to finish 10 games under 500 and the Reds would have to win 10 games, be 10 games over 500 the rest of the season for us to even tie for the final playoff berth. So, uh, and that's because the Reds are better than the Cubs, who are not good. <laughs> that's you're, a callback to an earlier episode. If, if you're new, if you've only just started listening to our show, that's a callback to an earlier episode where I said yes. the Cubs were mediocre or slightly below mediocre. I think you said they weren't good. Yeah, they and weren't then, good. And then they they happened to be leading the National League Central, I think, when we actually played them. And so you had Correct. to eat a little crow. I did have to eat some crow. But now they've lost like nine in a row so and are now third in the National League Central. So Yeah, and they yeah. got beat up by the Giants. So, I mean, that yeah. doesn't mean anything from anything. The Giants beat up on everybody. But, um, yes, yes. Well, the, the Cubs are now the third best team in the National League Central. Okay, but you say they beat up on everyone. We beat up on everyone but the Dodgers. So... Do we need to beat the Dodgers, though, to win the National League West? For the health of my soul and my inner being, yes, we need to beat the Dodgers. It it hurts every time they lose, especially when they lose games where they go 0 for 13 with runners in scoring position because it feels like... Well, it's deep burning shame is what it feels like, Matthew. <laughs> That's what the the diehard Giants and fan fan inside of me says. But in reality, no. No. The Giants never have to beat the Los Angeles Dodgers to win the World Series. And I know that sounds weird because, first of all, in this crazy season where the best three teams in the National League are the Dodgers, Padres, and Giants, and baseball has this bizarre, like, you know, playoff structure where they think that the wildcard team is the worst team in the playoff race, uh, you know, which is definitely not the case this year and often not the case, right? The, the So... So the way the playoffs is, are structured is the two wild card teams play each other in a one game playoff, right? And whoever wins that game is now the wild card entrant and they go on to the divisional series. But the team that the wild card plays is the number 1 seed in the in the league. And the idea is is that the wild card team is the worst team so they should be punished by playing the best team. And the best team, the number one seed, should be rewarded by playing the worst team. But that's BS, right? Yes. Well, especially in this case where the wild card team will be considerably better than either of the division winners from the other. I mean, division. this is such a gift 
to whoever wins in the National League East and Central. And yes, I know it's not a given that that, that the wild cards are both going to come out of the the West. But if things were to finish that way, this is such a gift to them because that means one of those two teams is absolutely going to make it to the NLCS and they only have to beat one of the three best teams in the National League. And that, I mean, that's such a gift to those guys, such a gift. But so what that means is, though, that if the Giants win the division, which I know, you know, in in April seemed like a fantasy, but is now very, very much a reality because, hey, we're halfway through the season and they're in first place. Well, if they win that game, that means the Dodgers and the Padres have to play that one game game playoff. And I got to tell you, Matthew, that makes me so happy, that idea. <laughs> the idea that those two teams have to go face each other for the right to face the Giants. Oh, oh gosh, oh. I so want that to happen. I want that to my inner core. I want that so bad. But even if it doesn't happen, I'll be happy because, you know, I- I'm pretty sure the Giants can beat a- the Padres in a one game playoff. But if that happens and the Padres beat the Dodgers in that one game playoff, then guess what, Matthew? The Giants can win the World Series without ever beating the Dodgers in any meaningful way, which, you know, I mean, they've already won three games in the series, right? They are, what, six and three for the series? They're they're three and six. In fact, I just looked it up. The Giants have played 14 opponents this season. The only team that we are below 500, there are two. The Dodgers were three and six and the Mariners were one and two from our opening three games. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, with the opening season gut punch. Yes, right. Because of the gut punch. If not and... for the gut punch, Jose Alvarez, I'm looking at you. If not, <laughs> wait a second. Is Jose Alvarez still on the team? He is. He actually pitched last night. Oh, OK. That's right. He did. Sorry. Yeah. Carry on. Okay, and I know sometimes it's hard to tell because they're using other pitchers now besides <laughs> Jose Alvarez. But uh, yeah. That's but right. my point is is to kind of confirm what you're saying is that if we go three and six in the second half against the Dodgers, you know, to finish six and twelve against the which Dodgers, which is not a good overall, record, no, not a good record. But if we continue to beat every other team. Uh, you know, then we don't necessarily have to beat the Dodgers. Could still uh, finish in first place. Still finish in first place. And 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 I, it must be really frustrating to the Dodgers to win like eight in a row and still be in second place. You know, I, I think that... It's nine in a row now. Nine in a row. That's right. They won today. During which the Giants had their longest losing streak of the season. And yeah. they're still behind the Giants. Still. And so... We don't need to necessarily beat them head to head in the series uh, in order to make the playoffs, in order to to win the World Series. There are paths beyond the Dodgers. And so I think that, yeah, you want to beat the Dodgers. Of course we want to beat the Dodgers, but we don't have to beat the Dodgers in order to be successful this season. And we've put ourselves in a great situation uh, through the first half of the season. Right. It just feels like we have to beat them. It does. It does. And I know that fans really want, you know, are kind of gauging uh, how good the Giants are, whether they beat the Dodgers or not. And let's face it, the Dodgers are a really good team. They are arguably the best team in baseball, uh, as we keep being told. So uh, there's no shame in, in, you know, playing close games and just not coming out on top. It's not like we're getting blown out. 
you know, maybe once, you know, Descalfani had a rough outing. But other than that, all of our games have been pretty, pretty close. And so, you know, we are we are competitive with them. And I think, you know, we, we will do just fine. I think I think the record their record against the Dodgers does not represent how well they have competed against the Dodgers, especially in those two games. I mean, especially in the last five games. Right. I think the Giants yeah. easily could have won all five of those games. They won three of them. And they could have won uh, the last two if, you know, if they just gotten a couple of hits with runners in scoring position, you know, and maybe stop pitching to Max Muncy. You know, I, right. <laughs> I, I think I think those two things alone could have changed, uh, changed the absolute outcome. So. So, yes, I, I think you're absolutely right. And um, and of course, I know that, you know, I think we, you know, but it, it's hard. It's hard to remember that, though, because, you know, yeah. We do want to beat them. We do want to beat those guys. All right. Well, we'll, we'll get our opportunities uh, coming up here real after the All-Star break uh, mm-hmm. to do it again. But I, you know, I was actually thinking the other day, well, I was you know, reading up on, uh, I can't remember where I read it. I think it was MLB.com. And there was a an article in there about why the Giants could could continue to play as well as they've played. Right. And and it was interesting reading this writer because this writer obviously was not a Giants writer. Uh, And so one of the key things that I think it was a a female writer. So she wrote uh, was that uh, the bullpen pitching so well was one of the reasons why the Giants would continue to, to play well. And, you know, we've been beaten up on the on the bullpen for so long that I was like, really, the bullpen? And and, you know, yes, I can uh, I can intuitively say that, yes, they've played better as of late. But then I went and looked at the numbers and the first month of the season, the Giants in wins above replacement were dead last in the majors, their bullpen dead last. They were awful, awful. Right. Since the Wandy Peralta trade at the end of April, the Giants are have the third best war in the National League since. And uh, their ERA went from four point two three to 2.81. Their walk rate dropped from 10.5% to 6.3%. They started giving out less home runs. Uh, I mean, it's just a big turnaround. And then I got decided, I was like, well, who was on the opening day? Who were the opening day uh, bullpen? A completely different set of guys. It, it was. There, there, are, there, were, there are four guys that are currently on the, the, in the bullpen right now that were on the bullpen on opening day. And those are Rogers, McGee, Alvarez, and Garcia. Okay. I will remind you, Matthew, that that is exactly what we predicted at the beginning of the season. So aside yes. from Buster Aposi's home runs, this is the one thing that at least I got right in my preseason predictions. Yeah, right. Was that the bullpen was going to have to be rebuilt in the season. And they and I mean they've done a pretty good job. I mean I'm looking at who was on the opening day roster. Matt Whistler, remember him? Uh, you know, yes, I'll, I do remember him. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. Reyes Maranta. You know, he got hurt, so it wasn't like he was ineffective. But he got I hurt. remember him. Yeah, you know. and then uh, you know Caleb Berger also got injured. Uh, Wandy Peralta was dealt, and we were a little astonished by that at the time. For he got dealt for Talkman. Yeah, uh, he but, hasn't been so great since he left. No, and so you know, I think so. Then they brought in. So right now, uh, Brebia. Jake Littell, Dominic mm-hmm. Leone, and Jimmy Scherfe have, have come in to replace those four that have left. And all four have contributed, who are pitching, you know, very well. So, you know, it, so it made me think, too, that the bullpen, we, we've been talking about wanting stud arms and going out and trading some prospects to get, you know, um, to get a guy. 
And now I'm wondering, do, do we need to have, uh, do we need that as much anymore? And should we maybe be targeting a starting pitcher instead? Ah, okay. The starting pitcher. Yeah. I mean, that's a good question. That is a good question. So the first thing that I will say is, is this, which is, I think the bullpen is still a work in progress. I think we still don't know what we need to know about everybody on that bullpen. So I think we don't know. But yes, it is a lot better. And I think there's some names that you that have come and gone that we didn't even mention, like uh, Camilo Doval. Mm-hmm. Um, Gregory Santos. Gregory Santos. He's, who's who's now, now serving a 60-game or 80-game suspension. It, yeah, I mean, yeah. I yeah. I mean, for, for a steroid, which yes. is um, just really... For a steroid that was used like in the 80s by, you know, Russian sprinters. You, you, know, you, I, took, you took somebody's 40-man roster, dude, to spot yeah. that. Well, actually, yeah, well, actually, he now. Well, now, he. Uh, it was actually good because now he's off the forty. Well, he's man, on the restricted so, list, yeah. So yeah, so that actually spot. opens up a forty man spot. So yeah. I'm sure maybe that was a a, a good thing uh, as far as that goes. Well, you know, yeah. I mean, there's nothing about that that's good, but except except that yes, it does free up a spot. But um, but yes, and the Camilo Duval. But I I would I would say it's still a a work in progress. But what I will say this, which is where they were right. And I think fans were wrong and even some of the media, because I think there was a lot of this stuff coming out of the media as well. They need to go get some big arms in the bullpen. I think what they have done in the front office that has been, you know, by being patient and waiting this out and trying to fix it with internal people is they have bought time and gotten themselves closer and closer to the trading deadline where they're going to have a much more accurate view of what their actual needs are going to be. Right. I mean, the Giants today were probably, you know, one mile per hour off of losing their all star catcher um, for the season to a broken thumb. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you just don't know what's going to happen. Right. And and so there are things that you just never know what your thing holes you're going to need to fill. And that's why it's good to delay these things as long as you possibly can. And they were right and we were wrong. And so so in that respect, are you asking me today is a starting pitcher their biggest need? And I would say yes, given the way that Sammy Long has performed a number five starter is their biggest need at this point in time. But even mm-hmm. so, Sammy Long's starts are competitive. They're not great. They're not yeah. great, but they're competitive because the Giants offense and the bullpen now are good enough to keep them in those games and make them winnable games. And really, that's all any team is asking for out of their number five starter. But yeah. I mean, Sammy Long's games, we used to feel comfortable. I mean, strange as it was, we felt comfortable with every single one of our starters going out there. But in this current configuration, Sammy Long's games feel like at best a coin flip. And so, yeah, I would say there is a pressing need for a starting pitcher. But, you know, we just you've got you've got Aaron Sanchez coming back. You've got Tyler Beattie coming off the the I.L. soon, uh, which would then impact the bullpen, because then you put Webb. And because I think I read today that Webb is destined to be in the bullpen when he comes back and not in the starting rotation, which I thought was interesting. I don't know if that was accurate or not, but that's what one of the columnists I read said. And, you know, so now all of a sudden you've got, you know, Long and Webb in the bullpen, if that's the case. And Sanchez is the fifth starter, you know, so you've got some depth there. 
to play around with as well. I so think, I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know whether that's a good decision or not to put Webb in the bullpen. I, I think that remains to be seen. I, my guess is that Webb is more of a, you know, he's he's a young guy still, but but he's more established as a veteran that he could handle that better, mm-hmm. especially being a swingman, because I think that's essentially what he would be, right? right. Yep. He would become a swingman. Um, because if you look at the, look at, you know, Beatty comes back, uh, Sanchez comes back and Webb come back and they're all healthy. I think you want all of those guys on your major league roster. I mean, I don't know about Beatty because Beatty, I think there's a big question mark there. Yeah. Well, he he hasn't had the control yet. And so, right. um, And they're almost out of time. They have one more extension. They have one more extension on his 60 day DL. mm -hmm. He has, they have got to make a decision on him within the next 10 days. Yeah. And, and so that is, um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the deal is with Tyler Beatty. But if he's healthy and they're happy with him, then, yeah, they probably want him to start. But then what do you do with Sanchez, right? So Sammy Long probably goes down. Beatty and, I mean, Webb is probably definitely in the bullpen. And then I don't know who who what you do with Sanchez and Beatty both. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think I, it just seems unlikely to me that even all three of those guys will be on the major league roster at the same time. I just think they'll find another configuration that than that. But um, but I think that's the that's the scenario. And I think yeah, you probably want Sanchez or Beatty starting rather than than Webb, just because I think Webb can can be a good reliever and can be a good starter and would be there for as your swingman. So I think you do still have all those three guys coming back. So like going out and getting a starter seems like not a necessity. And so maybe you start to look at, you know, um, depth pieces, I, I, you depth know, pieces I, or, you know, you know, to cover just some because, yeah, I mean, we are starting to scrape the bottom of the barrel with these injuries. Right. So maybe you go and look for another, you know, triple A starter with options. You know, yeah. Yeah. Like something like that. I don't I don't know. I, I would still like to see studs in the bullpen. You know, I would. I, think, too. I would like to see a guy that can strike people out. That's what I want. I want yeah. some guy that can come in and that's cut more than one pitch that can strike guys out late in in, in the innings, especially if you get into extra innings. Right. Which becomes right. so important. So right. I think they have to make moves just to free up all this weird 40 man roster issues they've got. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> they're good. They're going to make trades no matter what. Right. Yeah. I mean, they got to gonna... make trades. So I, I think one that should be the first expectation that we should have is that, that they will make changes or moves. I mean, unless injuries change us all for them. Right. Yeah. But they yeah. should be making some moves around mid July, mid to late July that clear up the 40 man roster or before then when the 40 man roster forces them to do it. But they need to be making moves that that retains that value. You don't want to just release it and lose it, right? So we absolutely should be expecting them to do that. Uh, After that, I'd like to see them improve the bullpen. Uh, But at the same time, I agree that, you know, yeah, the bullpen really has turned things around. The merry-go-round has worked. But I think, again, they ran out of pieces, right? So, like, what happens if somebody in the bullpen gets hurt, right? And... And they can't, you know, Reyes Maranta can't come back quick enough to to fill that hole, you know, and and another starter goes down or, I, you know, I don't know it, it, you know, and Webb then has to take over in, in the rotation. So, you know, I don't know. I'd still like to see one more guy in the bullpen. I would also like to see another bat that could add depth. But I do, you know, yeah, I, I think. I mean, in a lot of ways, we're kind of sitting pretty like it, it, it just with all these injuries, it seems remarkable and impossible. 
but it suddenly seems like they have a lot of options and choices and there's no bad move here. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. And I think what's interesting too, is I, I saw in one of the minor league notes that there's this uh, guy that got moved up from single A to double A. His name is Dabovich. Mm-hmm. And what jumped out to me was that he has struck out 62% of all the batters that he's faced. And he has a 0.086 batting average against uh, wow. for both uh, in his time in single A and now in double A. Wow. And he was a college draftee during the pandemic. Yes, that's right. So he yeah. didn't play last year. Correct. And uh, and so there wasn't a lot to, to gauge off of him. But he has uh, really shown uh, apparently pitches in the high 90, mid 90s. And he's got a really great, you know, secondary pitches. And so just nasty stuff. And so they were talking about maybe he could help in the bullpen at some point. Uh, so I just wonder, like, does that all plan? I'm sure it does. Right. They're they're probably weighing, you know, their, you know, these their whole organization. Yeah, they yeah, know their right? whole organization all the way down to every last guy. So here sure. we are saying, oh, we want some guy from another organization. But maybe the answer is within, you know, maybe, um, you know, maybe that there's and, and maybe Zaidi's just going to take advantage of people wanting to trade just to improve the overall depth of the organization. And we don't see much change on the uh, on the major. League I mean, roster. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him make a lot of moves to deal with this pressure on the 40 man roster to acquire minor league talent. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be either because I think I mean, right now he's on base to win 102 games. Right? right. So with what he's got, with what he's got. Yeah. And then, you know, and then he makes those moves as the pressure requires it, which is going to be before the trade deadline. Right. I mean, we think, yeah. we think, because again, we never know who's going to get hurt tomorrow. Right. Like look what right. happened to Buster today. Right. You just never know. But uh, it's assuming he, he's got to make some moves, assuming that that pressure is going to be put, be put back on the roster. He alleviates it by getting minor league guys who do not have to be on the 40 man roster. But he also adds to his depth, which he can still then leverage in the last few weeks of July before the deadline to make the team better. So just because he goes out and gets minor leaguers now doesn't mean we're standing pat and we're not going to make they're not going to make the team better. It just means they're buying time and they're waiting to see where the actual needs are. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I think what they've demonstrated to all of us is that, you know, you use what you've got until until for as long as you possibly can. And you do not make permanent changes to your roster as long as you can avoid it. You know, I mean, you know, unless you have some obvious gimme choices, right? which they don't have right now. They don't have any obvious gimme choices. No. They like all the pieces that they have. And and so they want to give every single one of those pieces the longest amount of opportunity to demonstrate its value. I mean, I'm talking about these guys like they're objects. But but you know, like you want every <laughs> one of these players to give give them time to demonstrate that they're good players and can and fine human beings. Right? And fine human beings. That's right. But yeah, I mean that's that's what you want to do, and I, and I think I think that is not something that I really appreciated at all at the beginning of the season, or even a month ago, <laughs> right? right? When right. I desperately wanted big arms in the bullpen. But you know, I, I think that's that's the situation. You know, the they're just going to keep waiting, and you're absolutely right. They're on pace to win 102 games. I think more than that now. So you know, they're on pace to win 104 games or 103 games. So you know, they're not, you know, what's broken, you know? Yeah, right. 
And it seems like they've always had an answer from within the organization so far, whenever something's happened. And maybe health is their biggest addition, right? Yeah. Uh, and Okay, well, hey, uh, we're up against the hour. Uh, you can find us, listeners, on Instagram and Twitter at, at Giant Cocktails. Uh, if you like us, uh, please subscribe on your podcast listener of choice and rate us, rank us, or whatever it is that you do on those things. All the stars. <laughs> Give us tons of them, okay? Because uh, that really does help if you do that. Thanks so much for all your support. Uh, ben, where can they find you? You can find me at Watch Ben Fail on Twitter and Instagram. And, uh, you know, even though my brother doesn't know how podcasts work, he is the primary editor of this podcast, so he, he's not completely inept. <laughs> I, I pull my weight, I think. Yeah. Well, on that note, Ben, uh, happy 4th of July, and we'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers. Happy 4th of July, everybody. Bye. Bye.